Praise the Lord. You know, we're going through the Word, talking about the power of the Word, and decided to go through the whole whole Bible, not in depth, but just book by book, noticing what effect people's words had on situations, seeing how some spoke their faith and others didn't, and what that created, because we talk about the power of the Word, and we talk about speaking God's Word, and we need to, I felt it was important for us to look at it more closely so that we can understand better how to apply it in our daily, in our daily living. It's, it's easy to say, well, you need to speak the word over your life, but if you go out and start living tomorrow, how does, what does that mean? How does, what does that look like? And so it's good to take time to look and to see examples of it in the word and to under, really understand as we've been speaking about it, how powerful our words are. The Bible tells us life and death are in the power of the tongue. And I'm preaching to the choir here today, but <laughs> it's always good to be reminded that our words have such a ripple, a powerful effect. We started in Genesis where we saw that, well, actually we started in, he- in Hebrews where it says all things are upheld by the word of his power. And we then we went back to Genesis where let there be light and there was light. And that was before there was sun, moon, and stars. And so God, we see by the power of his word, created all that we see, all that we know uh, in our human existence. That's power. That's powerful words, right? We can't even hardly understand that. I mean, we say the words, we talk about it. But do we really understand that? Yet, I think we could because really and truly, we, we do see, the, we can see, if we start paying attention, the effect our words have on our own lives. If we're always telling ourselves that we're a failure, that we're no good, that we're fat, that we're ugly, that we're whatever, we believe that, we, be, we believe that and we walk in that. And it affects the way we relate with people. It affects the way we project ourselves. It affects everything around us in our whole world, what we tell ourselves. And, you know, the world has gotten a hold of this. And they talk about positive uh, confessions, you know, and saying positive things to yourself. And they're right. But we have something even better. We're not just convincing ourselves that we're the greatest thing on God's earth. That's not the point, you know. We're convinced, we're, we're confessing the truth of God's word over our lives as to who we are and the worth that He has placed upon us. He considered us worth sending, God considered us worth so much that He was willing to send His Son to die in our place. That's a huge, huge, huge amount of worth, isn't it? When we think about our own lives, we, most of us all have a pet of some sort. And if I told you that I needed you to sacrifice your pet for the life of somebody else, <laughs> most of us don't, wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> and so just think, so, so see, we have hard, we would have a hard time being willing to sacrifice our animal on somebody else's behalf, never mind our own child, 
our own flesh and blood. And yet God's love was so great for mankind that he was willing to send his son to die in our place. Again, a thought that we can't wrap our minds around really and truly completely. And so we can learn. We can learn from the word, can't we? How to how our words have tremendous impact over our, our living and how to how to speak in a more truthful biblical way over our lives that releases God's power. It releases God's power. It creates that atmosphere of miracles to take place. People want to see miracles all the time. Well, I got to tell you, it has a lot to do with the way we talk and not just by saying, uh, I want to see more miracles. God is a God of miracles. It's by confessing who we are in Christ and speaking the truth of God's word continually. It creates the aroma, I want to say. It creates the atmosphere. It creates the atmosphere for God to show up and do whatever it is that he wants to do. Last week, we looked a little bit at Abraham, who was in relationship with God and by his words was able to spare Lot's life. And we saw there that our prayer and the words, prayer is words, right? Prayer is words that we speak with God. His words engaged with God and he was able to save Lot's life. He could have he could have spared Sodom and Gomorrah being judged if there had been 10 righteous people there. So we saw there that the power of the, our words in prayer can sometimes stop judgment and keep God from destroying someone's life. Wow, that's powerful, isn't it? The Bible's right. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so we better be careful. You know, um, there's there's people that... There's Christians that, you know, say whoever, you know, there's Christians I've heard that, you know, I'm going to curse that one or I'm going to curse this thing. Well, you better be careful (laughs) what you go around cursing or people that you write off. You know, again, this is our human nature to just like, well, that person, you know, what's up with them, you know, and we can say damaging things about people that actually have negative effect upon them because our words are released. I gave you the example last week of the preacher who told the woman who was talking about everybody. He said, "Take a, I want you to go home and take a pillow to your attic and open it, a feather pillow, and let all the feathers out all over the neighborhood. She did it. When she, then she came back and she brought him the empty case. He said, now he said, I want you to take the case. I want you to go all over the neighborhood. I want you to pick up all those feathers. She said, oh, I can't do that. I don't know where they all went. They're all gone. He said, well, that's how your words are. And you release them, and, and they go, don't they? And they either have a positive effect or they have a negative effect. So we're looking at the book of Exodus today and uh, some of the stories that are there to see um, what are some of the words that we can find here We see, first of all, that when Moses was born, his mother was very cunning with her words, wasn't she? She was very shrewd. It was a time where Pharaoh had said, all baby boys are to be killed and thrown in the river. She wasn't, she she had faith that her her baby boy was going to live. And so um, she made a little little, uh, basket, pitched it with 
tar so it wouldn't sink and sent put Moses in there and put it in the river and sent Miriam to watch over it. And she instructed Miriam what to say. And Pharaoh's daughter came down to the river to bathe and sees, and now the baby starts crying and she sees this, she perceives it's a Hebrew child and she feels sorry for it. A woman's heart sees a baby crying, their heart melts, right? That's the instinct that God put there. And so she sees this child crying, she picks it up, and now Miriam is prepared. She's in hiding, but she steps out of hiding. Her mother had prepped her. Let me tell you, she didn't think up this stuff on her own. And she says, oh, she says, would you like me to find you a nurse to take care of? Because she knew that Pharaoh's daughter probably wasn't capable of doing that. And so... Moses' own mother got to be its nurse, quote-unquote, <laughs> by Pharaoh's daughter's orders. So the baby, and she was paid well for it too. That's right, provided for. So we see that Moses' mother had faith, spoke into her daughter's life, gave her the words to say, and Moses' mother said, this, this child will live, this child will not die. There were other mothers, there were lots of other mothers that bore sons whose children undoubtedly did die. Not all of them. The, the, the midwives even, they feared God and, and they said to Pharaoh, oh, the, the Israelites, the Hebrew women, they give birth so fast that, that they don't even need us because, you know, to kill a child is a horrible thing. Not all of them, of course, but I am sure that there were some that didn't lay hold of that faith that God is with me and my child does not need to die. And so we see here that it was the mother's confession and her words that that created the ability for Moses to be brought, Moses actually brought up in the palace right underneath the Pharaoh's nose as if he was one of his sons because, because she had faith, because she spoke words of faith. You see what a powerful difference our words and and what we believe can can do for us. So we don't want to get stuck there. But then you know, you know the story later on. Of course, as Moses grows, he sees the the struggle with his people. He knows he's a Hebrew, and eventually he kills a man in a fight over it. And you know now he's in trouble because he's the foreigner in Pharaoh's house, and Pharaoh has a son and. And so he flees, and he goes out into the wilderness, and he actually marries out there. And eventually, God shows up. After many years, right, God shows up in a bush, in a burning bush. And God speaks to him in chapter 3. Okay, then he said, So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Now, what did God hear? What did he hear? He heard their words. He heard them crying out. He heard their words. 
They were saying, Lord, how long? Deliver us. Actually, you know, they didn't go down into Egypt as slaves, did they? They went down to, they moved to Egypt when Joseph was the ruler and they needed to, they needed food. That was God's way of providing for them. But then eventually a Pharaoh came into power that didn't know Joseph. And then they became slaves later on. So, because they, they were multiplying and so strong in number. But God heard. God heard their words and their groanings. So he says, I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up from a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. What has come to him? Their cry has, he's heard. God has heard the cry. You know, sometimes we think God doesn't hear our cries. He always hears our cries. Remember that. That's important. Okay, I've seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, Notice God gives them the words. The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. And he then he tells them, Go and talk to the fathers of the uh, tribes of of Israel. I have said I will bring you up out of affliction of Egypt to the land. And then they will heed your voice, okay? They're going to listen to you, and you will come out, you and elders in Israel, to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I am sure, God tells him this, but I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand, and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst and after he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be when you go out, you shall not go out empty-handed. All right, then Moses answered and said, chapter 4, but suppose they will not believe me, nor listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. Who does this sound like? This sounds like us, right? Well, what if? What if? What if? I don't know if I can do that. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and became a serpent. Then the Lord said, reach out and take it up. It became a stick again. Furthermore, the Lord said to and then uh, with leprosy. And then the Moses said to the Lord, okay, verse, chap, verse uh, chapter 4, verse 10. Then Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent 
Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Who does this sound like? What's he making? Excuses here? Is this making excuses? Here is God revealing himself to him, speaking to him out of a burning bush, a bush that that's, looks like it's burning, but it's not burning. I mean, this is a pretty miraculous conversation he's having here, you understand? And even though he's seeing a miraculous presentation from, from the heavenly realm, he's still coming up with excuses just to say we need to pay attention to what we're saying. Are we always making excuses for what God is showing us to do and telling us? God has showed us clearly something that we're supposed to do and we come up with a hundred excuses why we can't do it. Not good. Not good, is it? Not good. God is looking for us to take him at his word and act upon it. Obedience brings us into an immense amount of blessing, more than we can ever foresee. So the Lord said to him, who made man's mouth? Uh-oh. <laughs> who made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute and the deaf and seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Was that enough? But he said, oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. In other words, what's he doing here? Making more excuses. Lord, not me. Don't you know that, that this, there's, there's, some, there's, there's somebody else that's better than me for this job? And you know how many times when God has asked us to do something, or we've been asked to do something for the Lord, we say, not me. Find somebody else to do it. Let somebody else do it. Wow. What we miss when we draw back from what? It says in verse 14, So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well, and look, he is also coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. So, so he shall be your spokesman in to the people, and he himself shall be as the mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. Wow. And you shall take this rod in your hand, and which you shall do the signs. So with that, Moses finally agreed. But it cost him later on. As always, when we bargain with God and don't fully obey him, there's a cost involved. There's consequences. Later on, when Moses was up on the mountain, with God speaking audibly and writing with his finger in stone, Aaron was at the bottom of the mountain, making the people a golden calf and causing, helping them to commit immorality and fornication. Just saying. It cost a lot of people their life at that point in time. It caused God to separate, to, to break those, those stones and to say, this is not going to be, you're not going to be my people walking like this. And so, you know, there's, there's, there's consequences to resisting what God is trying to do through our lives. And so we need to learn. We need to learn to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. 
Yes, Lord. No matter what. We don't always like what we hear God telling us to do. We don't always feel comfortable doing what God is showing us to do. Hello? <laughs> you know, if uh, I'll use this as an example. If, you know, you get saved and then you know you're supposed to share what God is doing in your life. And, you know, maybe the pastor says, anybody who have anything to thank the Lord for? And you feel your heart pumping, 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 boom, boom, boom. You know you should say, you know there's something you should thank the Lord for, and you just keep your mouth closed. You miss that blessing, don't you? And God gives you another chance. He teaches us. Of course, he's teaching us. He's always teaching us. I mean, we don't just, he doesn't just, thank God, he doesn't just throw us out when we every time we make a mistake, because none of us would be here, right? God is a faithful teacher, and he doesn't, he doesn't get rid of us. I'm not saying this to bring condemnation, but to try and, Urge us to quickly, quickly respond to God. Quickly take his instruction. Quickly say, yes, Lord. You know, sometimes we don't want to do what God is telling us to do just because of pride. Just because we're, we don't want to do that. That's embarrassing, Lord. <laughs> we got to lose that. We got to let that old stuff die. We just got to let that old stuff die. And we got to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That should always be our response when we hear his voice. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. The more we say yes, Lord, the faster we'll get ahead, the further we'll go with with God, the quicker we'll get there. That's all there is to it. And so it's important how we respond to God. It's very important. And here God said to him, I'll be with your mouth. I'll give you the words. So when God calls us to something, he equips us. We don't feel, he doesn't call the capable. He doesn't call the people who think they're the best orators and the best speakers in the whole wide world. He usually calls people who think like, who, me? I don't have nothing to say that anybody could listen to. I don't know how to do this. Well, then usually God says, I got a job for you. <laughs> Come on, are you willing? And I'll, I'll teach you. I'll, I'll equip you. And so we may not have the, we seldom have the ability. I mean, he used our gifts and talents, but we don't have, it's not what we have that, that, that's, that's the great thing. It's what he gives us, what he does with it. That's the great thing. It's all about him, as we always say, right? All right. So then, of course, Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh over and over and over again. And Pharaoh, with his words, hardens his heart. This shows us another thing also, that we can close our heart by the power of our words. We can say, as a matter of fact, sometimes he said, oh, okay, you know, and then he would say, no, 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 no. And we got we to gotta be careful. We got to be careful. Refuse the Lord enough times, hardens our heart. That's what happened with Pharaoh, isn't it? He had many opportunities, and as a result, the whole Egyptian kingdom at that time was really wiped out. His when 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 they got to the Red Sea and he decided to follow them, his whole army was destroyed in the Red Sea after the Israelites got through. That was a total wipeout, wasn't it? Was that necessary? Not so much, I don't think. I, I mean. You know, if he if 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 he had just let them go and blessed them, they may not have been destroyed like that. But that was his choice. 
So we see there that there was tremendous power. And there's another thing there we see which is really baffling is on one time when they had some horrible plague and Moses came to him and said, well, you tell me. He, he said, he said, get rid of these, uh, the frogs or, or lice or whatever. And, and, and Pharaoh said to him, yeah, in three days. <laughs> he, Moses said, when do you want, want, want the, them to go? And he told him in a couple of days. Figure that one out. Anyway. <laughs> oh, Lord help us not to be so stubborn. You know, sometimes we're just stubborn and we think we got it right and we know and we don't want to change. We hate change as human beings for whatever the reason. It's a human nature thing again. We just hate to change. We hate anybody to tell us that we need to change. But really, our walk with God is constantly humbling ourselves and saying, Lord, show me, teach me. I want to change. I want to be the person you've called me to be. I want to walk with you. I want to go forward. We don't want to be 10 years from now learning the same thing over and over and over again. God is patient and he'll keep working with us, but we don't want it to take us 10 years, right? Okay. When, when a person is 26 years old, they, you don't want them to be going through sixth grade still, right? It's kind of like that. If you don't want to go through sixth grade until you're 66 years old, there's got to be progression. We want to graduate. We want to get to whatever God is bringing us to. And each one of us are on a journey, and he's leading us on, and he's leading us forward. And it depends. It hinges on our response, on our words. God, I know you're working. I know you're you're changing things. I know that I'm your child. I know that you have done this. I know you've spoken this. I'm going to do this. I am doing this by your grace. I'm going to, you're going to help me. I'm doing this. We have to, it's got to be a constant. It's not just an occasional experience. It's got to be a daily, daily walk. We got to live it out daily. Lord, this is what you've showed me to do. Show me today how I can do that better. Help me today to do that better. And again, being careful not to, not to confess what we can't do. I can't do, okay, Lord, I can't do that. I'm a failure. No, stop that. <laughs> no, you got to confess the truth. I'm your child. You bought me with a price. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Lord, I'm not feeling well. I'm not, I don't, I don't know exactly how this is going to work out, but I believe you. And we, and as we walk in that, as we walk in that constantly, God, it, it, again, it creates the atmosphere for God to show up and for God to do what is needed. Okay? Then, after they get through the Red Sea, then they sing, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. And with their words, they extol and praise God. And that's one of the most powerful things we can do with our words is to praise and thank the Lord. As we praise and thank the Lord, instead of complaining and like, oh, I don't know, you know, oh, I'm making it, you know. No, praise the Lord. Truly, not just out of habit and not just not just as a curse. You know, some people are praising God. It sounds like they're cursing. No, as, as genuine, <laughs> as genuine adoration for our wonderful Lord who's redeemed us and who's a good God and who's in relationship with Him. And we're thank, you know, as soon as you start thanking God for something, things start changing. 
You could be having the most worst day of your life, but if you stop and you start thanking God for, find one thing to thank Him for, all of a sudden you find another one, and all of a sudden you can think of another one, and pretty soon the praise is flowing. And you know, praise is like a, like oil. It oils, it oils all the wheels that are getting all rusty and stuck and, and bent out of shape, and praise just, is that it's such if we realized what a powerful tool praise is we would covenant to praise God every day no matter what when you're driving when you have you know when you have space where you can do it out loud you do it out loud when you can't do it out loud you your heart would still be bubbling up inside with praise and thanksgiving to our wonderful God, it would it would it changes our whole existence when we start really giving that focus in our lives to really worship and praise the Lord. Um, my dad once saw at in a service that we had, he had like a vision, and he saw how as the people worshipped the Lord, it like cleared a pathway that brought the Lord closer, <laughs> brought the Lord into the into the service and it, it says he inhabits the praises of his people that's what the word says and we can say that that's one of the things we can say into our lives lord you inhabit the praises my praises of your people i'm your people and i'm praising you so so that brings the, us into the presence of god and it, it, and and again to pray in tongues that's and you know we have the old testament people didn't have the the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, so they couldn't pray in tongues, but we can pray in tongues. And there's another piece that's so vital, so important, that we pray in tongues and let that well bubble up and get it fresh and filling and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to be operative in our lives continually. Now, you know what happened. They went out into the wilderness, and God had done miracle, 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 miracle. Brought them out, delivered them, opened a, opened a sea, made them walk on dry ground and, and just swallowed up their enemies. And they get out in the wilderness and, oh my goodness, there's no onions and leeks or garlics and there's no, the water's a little bitter and, oh, what? And they're ready to kill Moses. What'd you bring us out here for? We wish we were back there. Excuse me, they were slaves. And you hear what they were saying? We wish we were back there. Wow. You know, sadly to tell you, I've heard Christians say, when I was in the world, I had fun, and now I don't have any fun anymore. Well, that's a lie of the devil. I'm sorry, but that's a lie. That's a lie. The wages of sin is death. That's not fun. That's a warped idea of what fun is. The wages of sin is death. True happiness, true enjoyment, true satisfaction only comes through Christ living in me. And then I can enjoy everything. Everything is more fun and more right and more enjoyable with Christ. And so here we see they buy into the lie and they're like, oh, Moses, you know, and they're complaining, complaining, complaining. I have it marked, and I think I gave it to you when we did Hebrews. There's ten times that they, God gave them opportunity ten times. There were ten miracles. He, he demonstrated his power to them in Egypt ten times. In the wilderness, they had ten opportunities to either complain or to 
praise God and say, we have a great God who delivered us from Egypt. Now he must have a supply here. And you know, God gives us opportunity after opportunity too. To see what's in our heart, it to test us. It says that of the of the Israelites that he he brought them out in the wilderness to test them and to see what was in their heart, whether they would believe him or not. And he's and we have those same opportunities every day. He God steps back and he says, "Okay, now let's see. Do you really trust me? You shout out on Sunday how much you trust me, and you tell everybody else to trust me, and you tell you say." Do you really trust me? And he gives us a test. He lets something happen. He lets, we, we see what, he sees what happens in a day. Do you really trust me? Something goes wrong and what? Right away we start saying, oh, you know, what's wrong with, well, we gotta be careful. We gotta be careful. We gotta be careful what's coming out of our mouth. What are we saying? God doesn't hear my prayers. He hears everybody else's prayers, but he doesn't hear my prayers. Whoa! Watch it. Watch what we say. Be careful. Don't confess things like that. Confess. I know that you hear me. I know that you hear me. I know that you hear my prayers. I know that you are with me. I walk, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. I know you are my God. I know you have a purpose and a plan. I can't see it all. I don't... I don't understand it all, but I trust you. I trust you no matter what. And sometimes the test is just to stand and say, God, I know you're true. I don't understand it all here, but I know that you are true, that you're not a liar, and that your word will be fulfilled in my life. And so we see them out in the wilderness, and we see the one time where um, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, we just talked about that recently too, they uh, they got a gripe against Moses and Aaron, and they said, who do you guys think you are? Why should we listen to you? Nobody, who set you up above all of us? And God heard it. God heard it. You know, again, if we knew, if we were really believed that God heard every word that came out of our mouth, wow, wouldn't that make you stop, give you a pause for a, a minute or two? <laughs> Or a second or two. And God heard their words and God hated what they were saying. God heard their words. God hears our words. And Korah, Dathan, and Abiram had uh, more than just their words, but their spirit was a spirit of contention and of antagonism against not only Moses and Aaron, but against God who set them up as his spokesperson. And so... God said to Moses, tell the people who are around Korah, Dathan, and Abiram to hurry up and get away from them because something terrible is going to happen to spare as many people as possible. And sure enough, the ground opened up and swallowed them right up. And that was as a result of their words and the attitude of their heart. So I'm not making this stuff up. I'm not, I'm not saying this too strongly. God cares about the attitude of our heart and how what we say and how we say it. Yes, he does. And it makes a difference in our in our daily life. What happens and what doesn't happen. That, that those are those are powerful examples. Then of course God um God spoke. God spoke from Mount in you know Moses goes up onto Mount Sinai and God speaks with him. And it's such a phenomenon that the children of Israel said, please, 
we don't want this. We don't want to hear this anymore. This is too fearsome. Wow, that always makes my heart sad. I always think, you know, that was... Who else? Who else in the world has ever heard that? (laughs) And they said, we don't want to hear that anymore. And you know, we have that choice all the time, don't we? We can hear God speak, and sometimes it's fearsome. Sometimes it makes us tremble, and we can say, you know, we can say, Lord, God, please, that's too much. That's I don't want to hear that. But we're the losers for it. We're the losers for it. We want to love the sound of his voice. The New Testament says, my sheep hear my voice, they know my voice, and they follow me. And we have to, that's choice. We have to choose to stay in the sheepfold, to hear his voice, to love his voice, to know his voice, to treasure his voice, to respond and say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. When we do that, we move ahead by leaps and bounds. Leaps and bounds. You know, sometimes you see somebody and you see them come in and they're just a baby Christian. And then in a year or two, you see them and they're like, wow. And you think, wow, you know, they're just, God just loves them more than everybody else. No. (laughs) No. They've just said, they've just taken the word and they've spoken it and believed it, and they've said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to do this. That's what your word says? Oh, okay, I'm going to do that. And as they do it, there they go, forward, leaps and bounds, and then pretty soon, they're in a whole different place. That's how you get there. People are stuck, 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 stuck. Why are they stuck? Because there's no forward progress in taking God's word and applying it and doing what God has already showed us to do. And so this week, okay, we're not here just talking about theories here. This week, start applying the words that God has given you. The words, praise, start start letting that fountain bubble up. Start walking in the, start obeying the things that God has already showed you to do. I'm going to tell you the blessing that's going to follow. You're going to be astounded. You're going to be overflowing. You're going to be bubbling over. We're going to have so many testimonies when pastor asks that we won't be able to stop because that's how it works when we walk in the light of his word. We walk in it and we speak it out. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your word. Help us, Lord. Show us, Lord. Help us to hear what's coming out of our mouth. Help us to catch ourselves, Lord. Teach us, Lord. Grow us in this area, Lord. We can all do better. And we just want to embrace your word and we want to walk in it more obediently as obedient children. May the answer of our heart be, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you for your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.